When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential, week 37. What really happens during that first week with baby. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and your bump through all 40 weeks, and hopefully beyond. I'm Dana Points. I'm the editor-in-chief of Parents, and with me today is... Diane Dubrovner. I'm I'm the deputy editor of Parents. And... Gail O'Connor. I'm a senior editor at Parents. And I can barely remember the first week home. It's all a blur, but uh, I'll do my best to help impart some information. (laughs) Eek! You guys, we made it to week 37. Your baby is almost here. And for some of you, maybe baby has already come, in which case you cannot be bothered to listen to this podcast. <laughs> You've got your hands full. But if you're you're still incubating, you might be starting to feel that panic over what it's going to be like when you actually have this baby, particularly if it's your first one, how you'll feel post-birth. Will you know what to do? So in this episode, we're going to get real about that first week back from the hospital. But before we dig in, We're going to go to our favorite topic, which is, how big is that baby this week? It is probably no accident that you feel like you are about to give birth to a beach ball because your baby this week is the size of a beach ball. It's also the size of a stalk of Swiss chard, which is one of those larger vegetables. (laughs) So a fully unfurled uh, Swiss chard leaf, if you can imagine. And maybe the legs are like the stalk. I don't know. But more rotund probably than that. Or a wireless keyboard. I guess I guess if it's a skinny baby, long, yeah. I mean, babies, a long and lean baby. I mean, I remember my first fitting from my fingertip up to my elbow in length, which is about when I cradle my wireless keyboard. That's kind of how it feels. Or a large movie theater bucket of popcorn, which is what you will be sharing with your offspring once the baby gets big enough to enjoy popcorn and a movie. So if you want more details about what's going on with your baby this week, be sure to sign up for our daily pregnancy email at parents.com slash pregnancy daily to get the scoop. Okay, it's that first week with baby. You've probably been furnishing the nursery. You're imagining yourself sitting calmly in the glider with baby, nursing, getting visits from friends who are hopefully going to bring you fresh-cooked meals. And just don't be blindsided. We want to prepare you a little bit that those idyllic moments are going to come with a side order of a little pelvic pain, maybe some tightening if you've had some stitches, maybe some hemorrhoids, uncontrollable weepiness, things like that. So... I cannot tell a lie. Your first week at home with baby can be tough. It can be amazing. And you're going to feel little by little all this mastery over these little things like changing a diaper or cleaning an umbilical cord stump or a circumcision. But it is little micro steps ahead as you get used to having that little creature with you when you are probably still feeling a little bit like you played football with no equipment. (laughs) You know, I remember feeling a little bruised, like I'd had the workout of a lifetime. 
like for days afterward, I felt like I'd kind of run a marathon. I won't lie. Our first night home was rough. (laughs) I think the biggest mistake we made was leaving the hospital as soon as we could. The hospital will kick you out pretty quickly, but our hospital very kindly offered to let us stay a couple of extra hours, and we were, no, no, we're we're in a hurry to get home. We should have stayed put there with all the help we got just as long as we could. Because I remember that first night home, I just was having such a hard time breastfeeding my son by myself without the support of nurses at the hospital, and I couldn't get him to latch on. And it was this long night of frustration and trying to feed him. And I remember at one point just like walking to my husband topless and crying. And and he had tried to take over the baby for a little while to give me a break. And I said, just give me the baby. I know he needs to eat. I can handle it. And I finally learned to nurse lying on my side, Uh lying on the couch, because I I had to lie down at that point. I just couldn't stand anymore. So that was the good thing to come of it. I didn't know about this colostrum business and the fact that your milk doesn't really come in until you know, two days, three days after, and it's normal for baby to lose a little weight, and you just have to keep putting baby to the breast, but all you're getting is this clear fluid called colostrum, which is good for the baby, but it's not like a belly full of milk. And so I just remember feeling like such a failure, and thank goodness there was that nursing coach at the hospital. And then afterward, I had a doula for after the birth, because I knew that it was going to take my parents a little while to get from where they were to where I was. And so I had a woman who was part nursing coach, part dishwasher, unloader, slash salad maker, who came and helped a little bit. And that was a lifesaver. I had two C-sections. And the good thing about that is that I got to stay in the hospital longer. So I guess I was probably there three or four days when my milk came in. And I remember there was one night when I was up trying to nurse and it was probably two or three in the morning and the nurse who happened to be the night shift took a particular interest in trying to help me and she just stayed with me and helped me get the latch right and really taught me a couple of tips that were incredibly helpful. You're going to have some physical symptoms besides the ones that I already described in gruesome detail. There's definitely still bleeding after. So for the first week, there's going to be a lot of discharge. You're going to need those big sanitary pads that you always yes. wonder like in the you, you go to the the drugstore and you're like who buys these and now you know right. you're gonna need them you can't use that tampon they have these underpants these stretchy underpants in the hospital that are sort of mesh so you want to take as many of those home with you as you can and you also want to take home those chucks they call them they're like puppy wee wee pads but they're like these blue <laughs> white things that you put underneath you in the bed so that you can protect your sheets and so if they have any in the hospital room just put them in your they're bag they're called chucks because you no can idea. chuck. You just chuck them out when oh, you're done. Oh, <laughs> so not like Chuck Taylor. I get no, it because like, yes, I chuck call my away. sneakers chucks. Yes. I delivered for the first time in California, and I remember my nurse saying to me, "He handed me one of those lawn sanitary pads, and he said, do you remember when you were a kid and you were learning to surf on your lawn board? He said, these are like those. You're going to need these for a while.'" <laughs> So California, (laughs) I remember being very emotional, crying a lot. It was a true hormonal roller coaster. Anything that you might have experienced before, like in puberty, this really, this this makes that laughable. I can't even remember what I cried about. I remember watching The Price is Right and crying, like while I was sitting in my glider nursing my baby. And my husband said, what are you crying about? And he said, I said, it's just so, so beautiful. They they won the showcase. They really (laughs) wanted it. He thought, oh, my gosh. 
That's crazy. I'm worried about you. There is this possibility that you won't feel bonded to the baby in the way that you thought you would. You thought it was just going to be a total love fest. And I've also heard people say they were super, super anxious about dropping the baby or constantly checking the baby. And, you know, that's all pretty normal. You know, it's also a time when postpartum depression could show up and you're going to go to that one-week checkup with your pediatrician, and hopefully your doctor is going to be one of the smart, aware people who asks you about how you're doing and your any possible symptoms you might have. But if your doctor doesn't, you need to speak up if you're feeling if you're feeling super sad and it's not just a transient sort of, you know, crying about the prices, right? Right, or right. Whatever. Sleep. I don't remember having pretty particularly good sleep that first week home. I remember food, food being really a challenge. I mean, my my husband was there for the first week and then he went back to work. And so I would say really it was around the second week that I'm like, how am I going to get a meal? How am I going to get a shower? And that's where having, you know, family and friends coming by at regular intervals was really helpful. And I didn't know how noisy babies were, newborn babies. I mean, that was the other thing. Even when my baby started sleeping slightly longer stretches, he still was just noisy in there. Was he rooming you know? in? He was in your bedroom? He was in my bedroom mm-hmm. um, because we're in an apartment, and that right. was, you know, the only spot we had for a, quote, nursery was well, in they, the corner is, of our room. That is the recommendation right now yeah. um, is that, you know, nice you not have the baby in the bed with you, mm-hmm. but that the baby's in a co-sleeper or a bassinet or the crib in your bedroom. And when he was sleeping, of course, then I would worry why he was sleeping so long, and so I would get up and check on him and make sure he was still okay. Yeah. Now, there's going to be lots of people who are going to drop by unannounced. People are going to email you and text you and ask what they can do. My advice is to give people assignments, either assign them certain things to bring, or if they show up and you haven't eaten in hours, like tell them to make you a salad. <laughs> Don't be afraid to to give some orders and, and make your needs known. I think that's really good advice. That was one of my mistakes, honestly, when the grandparents came to visit a couple of weeks after my son was born. And I think they were very much looking forward to holding the baby and being with the baby and taking the baby for walks. But the truth was I had to hold the baby much of the time because I was nursing the baby. And then we would all be looking at each other like, okay, what's for lunch? And I thought, oh, like now I have to feed these people when really I should have just asked them. I should have given them a list to go to the supermarket. I should not have been shy about asking for favors like having them help with my laundry. I mean, I think once you've given birth and you have everybody from the doctor to the florist see you in a state of undress in the hospital, you should have lost your shyness by then. You can certainly ask for small things like somebody going to the store and and getting a few items for you or running a load in the washer. Those would have been the helpful things. Yeah. So don't feel compelled to play hostess. Right. I think it would be helpful to talk a little bit about how do you get people to leave? Because when people drop by, some of them do not have the social graces to keep it brief and get on out. So did, did you have any kind of any language that you used or, you know, did you just have to, like, get up and leave the room yourself? How do you get them to go? My favorite tip is to have somebody take the baby for a little walk. Mm-hmm. 
because people want to see the baby. I mean, they're there, yeah, to see you a little bit, but they're really there to see the baby. And they want that time with the baby. So send them out for a stroll, and then you get your shower. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to brush your hair, or maybe even maybe even blow dry it. Yes, and say, like, I really want you to come back again soon, but, you know, we really just need some, some quiet time. time. He's a little overstimulated now. Microwave meals are going to be your friend that first week. You should mm-hmm. definitely have some in the freezer. Hopefully people will bring you food, but... Microwave meals, snacks you can eat with one one hand, and water bottles everywhere. Yes. You got to keep drinking water and, you know, maybe some ice cream because you need your calcium. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have a plan for that first week with baby or are you going to wing it? Tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. Let us know. But whatever you do, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just get home and enjoy those those first days cocooning with that baby. This week's Relax You've Got This segment is about staving off the birth announcement freak out. You have a million things on your mind and your birth announcement probably is not top of the list. Luckily, in this age of Facebook, you really don't have to feel obligated to do more than a status update if you're not up for it. But if a formal announcement is your thing, there are a few things to consider when putting them together. A basic birth announcement usually includes the names of the baby's parents, that would be you, and siblings, weight, length, and birth location. You might also include the names of the grandparents and a URL if you're going to be really um, overachieving and have a a website set up from the get-go with more information and pictures. If you are a planner, save your future self some time by prepping and addressing announcements ahead of time and then adding in the details after the baby's birth. If you're going to send an electronic announcement, you can compile a list of email addresses in advance, so you just have to hit send, or your partner can hit send after the baby's born. If you can't face sending an official birth announcement within the first few weeks, you can always send a little email update with a picture attached or post something in social media and then follow up with a more formal, detailed announcement, either electronically or on paper when you have the time. So there's lots of flexibility. It's not like the old days where you had to send a paper announcement. I did send a paper announcement, and I remember in that window of time after I stopped working, right around my due date, nothing was happening. The baby wasn't coming yet, so I did have the foresight to go and pick out the announcement, and that way I was able to just email in the details, and then they printed it and delivered them to me after the baby was born. And so I would say we got out the paper announcement in probably a couple weeks, and I do kind of cherish that as, you know, it's part of the ephemera of motherhood, having that paper announcement that was, you know, the weight and all of that, because sometimes that's the only way you can remember it afterward. Um, What did you guys do? I like the paper announcements, too, and I definitely was more timely with them with my first. When my second came along, oh, gosh, I think she was maybe four months old by the time I got that announcement out, because I remember my cousin's husband teasing me and saying, hey, yeah, did you hear Gail had a baby four months ago? But I, I felt like I had to get those out. And with my third, I don't think I even bothered. <laughs> Too busy. Picking out the baby announcement was one of my favorite things that I did when I was pregnant. As someone who's an editor and who works for a magazine that comes on paper, I think I was just so excited to pick the design and the colors. And I remember calling the stationery store with the actual details after the baby arrived. It was one of the, you know, at the top of the list of the phone calls that I had to make so that they could get <laughs> printed. And each of my girls has their baby announcement framed in their room. And it's just really nice. Nice to have. That is sweet. I don't know where the baby announcement 
announcements are. They're somewhere in my so-called <laughs> office with all the other paper and drawings my children have done since preschool. <laughs> but a lot of people do not send them. I hardly ever receive printed baby announcements no, anymore. I don't know about you guys. I think it's mostly happening on on Facebook. I always love receiving the baby announcement from the older siblings. So like, you know, little so-and-so announcing that he has a baby brother or sister. I always think that's really sweet. And it does, as someone who is maybe not as organized as I could be, it helps me remember to send the baby gift. So whatever, however you decide to approach, we're we're saying thumbs up. You know, there's no, no etiquette police here. That's it for Pregnancy Confidential for this installment. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Parents Magazine, or Instagram at Parents Magazine. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating. It helps other people find our show. Unlike other podcasts, you don't need to wait a week for the next episode. If you want a sneak peek of what the weeks ahead hold for you, because there's not that many more left, go ahead and listen right now.